Hello, this is Leslie Niku. I'm INS Associate Managing Editor of Publications, and I'd like to welcome you to today's podcast. I'll be speaking with INS 2018 keynote speaker, Elizabeth Smart. So my first question is just, you know, just basic. What What is a typical day like for you? What is your schedule like? Yeah, so I my it's my daughter who always wakes me up in the morning. She pokes her head in um, and she says, wake up, Mama, I woke up. I need a baba. Come get me, Mama. Um, so she's the one that wakes me up, and then I go and get my son, who's who's nine months. And after that, it's getting them ready for the day and getting them breakfast, and then taking my dogs out on a run. And then after that, it's tackling whatever is on my list to do. So sometimes that's laundry and scrubbing countertops and floors, and then sometimes that's conference calls and writing and um, meeting with different survivors. So it just kind of varies mm-hmm. day to day. Um, so I, I, I assume you have a, an office set up in your home, like a home-based office? Well, my laptop, wherever that's <laughs> Wherever your laptop is. my office. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, tell me a little bit more about the foundation you were talking about and, you know, what compelled you to start it and uh, become an advocate for a change? So my dad and I, we started it about, oh, seven years ago. And um, some of our initiatives we have, one of is going into universities or public forums and um, having very open discussions about what sexual violence is, what rape is, where it comes from. I will never forget a few years ago I interviewed two young women, and when they had both been freshmen in college, they had both been raped. But neither one of them really knew what had happened to them was rape uh, because one was a boyfriend and the other was a well-known acquaintance. And so um, neither one of them wow. labeled what had happened to them as rape. And it took you know years later and, and people later to tell them, no, what happened to you was rape. And that just has stuck with me so deeply that if – you know, there are young women going off to college who who don't know what rape is, then we have a big problem. Absolutely. So um, so we go and we talk about it, and then we also talk about how it affects your mind and, and your body and, and, you know, why we deal with PTSD or, or why we deal, flashback, or deal with flashbacks. And then we talk about different ways to move forward and um, and where they can turn to help. Uh, in the community, so we try to we try to give them some direction or help them find people who can give them direction in their community. Mm-hmm. So um, we feel like that's very important. We also do some international work. Um, we're specifically working with a non well with a shelter in Nepal that takes women and children in who have been sexually abused or neglected, and um, trying to help them. Uh, provide them with the basic necessities and, and therapy and rehabilitation. So mm-hmm. we we also feel that you know working to help people around the world is important as well, not just not just at home, not just within the United States. Wow, you're everywhere. Um, yeah, would you say that you have like witnessed some of the positive changes in you know practice and legislation as a result of the work of the foundation? 
I don't know if it's a result of the foundation, but I certainly do feel like we are seeing change and we are seeing a difference um, in in today's culture, which I think is has been long needed. Right. Yeah, one of the questions related to that I had was just about the whole you know, the me the Me Too movement and what's going on in Hollywood and with gymnastics and um do you think that there was a you know, a one particular catalyst or catalysts that empowered victims to speak? Like why do you think it's all it's all of a sudden now that everyone's coming out and speaking out? I I do certainly think that movement has made a big difference and I you know, women Big name who are very well known coming out and saying this happened to you. I think that's a real example for a lot of women who feel like they're alone, feel like they're like somehow it may be their fault. And I think that's very empowering to help them realize that they're not alone and that it does happen to women across well, women not just women but men too. But it happens to people across all social status, across uh all walks of life, really. Right, yeah. It's um, time for a change, like Oprah said. (laughs) Um, It is. Right. Um, uh, In in relation to that, as far as um, some legislation, like, for example, the Amber Alert um, system, I saw that your family had some role in sort of advancing that and some other, you know, I wondered if you could talk about that and other, you know, noteworthy child protection legislation? Sure. We've always tried to help where we can feel like something is going to make a difference because Amber Alert, it does make a difference. And, and I mean, even if it's only rescuing that one child, the quicker we can get the word out that a child is missing with the details of their disappearance, then the quicker we are and the more likely we are to, to rescue them again. So, I mean, for us, that was a very big deal. Um, and, you know, we've been involved in working on the sex offender registry. It's not perfect, but it's it's a starting place, and we can continue to work to improve that and um, try to make, well, try to countries just a little bit safer. Absolutely. Um, do you feel that, you know, since you became a parent, your perspective of child advocacy has changed a little bit? It's made it a longer real. I know I expect it, but I don't, I mean, until I had my own children, I just, I didn't realize what it was to be a parent and the emotions that you you feel as a parent and, and the concern and the worry that all goes on, it goes with being a parent. And so now that I'm a parent, it, you know, it makes it that much more real, even though, even though I was a victim of like terrible things. I don't know, being a parent, it just absolutely is a whole new perspective and whole new feeling to being an advocate and working for change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so uh, a couple more questions, um, you know, just basically about your public speaking. And, you know, uh, I believe actually you were in my town in uh, North Alabama, Massachusetts, uh, a couple of years ago at the local Y. Um, I was just wondering, you know, what you know, what types of groups you speak to and, um, how you tailor your talk to that specific group? Um, I do speak to many different kinds of groups, and sometimes they sound, sometimes 
may sound kind of random, but the truth is is that no matter who you are, we all have a story. Not being unraised illness or financial ruin or I don't know. I mean name it. We all we all have a have a story. We all have some past and if if you don't it'll come. Right. Unfortunately. Right, right. And I think it's important for everyone to realize that so much of what happens to us in life is not necessarily the consequences of our own actions. They may be the consequence well, consequences of other people's actions, but that that doesn't have to define us. It may shape us, it may mold us, it might, you know, alter the direction of our life, but it does not have to define who we are. Ultimately, we define ourselves by the decisions and choices that we make. It's important for me to also share the message that it doesn't matter what another person may do to you. There's nothing that another person can do to you that will diminish your worth as an individual. I've met so many victims and so many survivors who... Sorry, don't mind my son in the background. (laughs) Um, I've met so many survivors, though, that somehow feel that what happened to them was their fault and now they're not good enough to be loved or good enough to have friends or good enough to be happy and that always breaks my heart you know we all we all deserve to be happy and to feel loved and to know that we to know that we deserve both of those things and that probably ties into you know some of the messaging that you speak about um can you i don't know if um you have compiled the the notes for um, speaking at the INS meeting, but I was wondering if you might have a a, a little bit of a preview about what you'll be talking to our healthcare professionals about. Well, I do have a few more events before then, so I haven't specifically looked at it yet, but knowing how I feel about um, things in general, I know that I I will want to help, help them feel like whatever they've struggled with or whatever their patients have struggled with is not something that cannot be overcome. That there's, it's never too late to give up hope. And that it may seem like sometimes because we're not, I don't know, Superman or Batman, that that we're not heroes and that we're not helping people. But, I mean, for me, my story, it was, you know, everyday people who saw my captors and I walking up State Street on March 12th of 2003 that they didn't know 100% that it was me. They just noticed something was wrong, and so they called in, and that's what led to my rescue. So I do believe in the power of the everyday person and that it is every bit as great, if not greater, than any other superhero Mm -hmm. we may think of. Right, and of course, you know, with... uh you know, the nurses and other healthcare professionals within our organization, they see a lot more trauma and different from different walks of life in the hospitals and the offices they work in. And some of them, you know, have experienced, um, you know, a traumatic event or even an assault, you know, where they were trying to help people. So, you know, with that respect, what kind of advice would you offer um our audience and, you know, other, you know, as far as how to get through that traumatic event, like, you know, in the workplace. It's going to be different 
for every survivor. There's, I wish I could say there's a one-size formula that fits all, that works for everyone, but it, there's not. And so you have to find what works for you, and I think it's important to not compare yourself to anyone else. I, once again, I have so many people come up to me after I speak or present and, and they say, oh, you know, um, when I was a kid or a few years ago or, or some period of time ago, I experienced something similar to you. Nothing on the same scale, but something similar, and it doesn't compare at all. And that, that always makes me a little bit upset, too, because we shouldn't be comparing. I mean, who's to say what they went through is not just as bad as through for me? Well, we can't make that call. So I think we need to stop what we go through to what other people go through, as well as stop comparing ourselves to saying, well, no, I didn't go through what she went through, but yet I can't move forward. I still am struggling. This is still hard. Because that's, that's, that's only cutting yourself down even more. I mean, yeah. just take it, take it on your own timeline and, and love yourself. Learn to love yourself. Right. Um yeah, like I said, I just I sit here at my desk and write stories. So, but I'm not, you know, out there meeting people. And um, as far as like the survivor, but I know that a lot of our members do. Um, so that's important advice for them to share, you know, with their patients as well as you know for themselves. So, um, our members are definitely going to be looking forward to hearing more of that. Um, Oh, he sounds so adorable. <laughs> um, he is. He is pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, last couple of questions. Just you know, I'm with your the experience that you've gone through, and you know, obviously everyone's aware of how you, you know, escaped and were rescued and and so forth. But if you could just talk a little bit about you know how you persevered throughout the event, and then, you know, what helped you heal and recover? I have so many people to thank. Um, I, I mean, I had so many people searching for me, praying for me. I mean, I'll never thank you enough, and, and certainly my parents. They've been monumental in why I am the way I am and the person I am today. Um, you know, they they brought me home and they, like, they certainly were sensitive to my needs, but they also tried to create a sense of normalcy again in our life and, and didn't treat me differently than, than, than my siblings. And I think that was very, very helpful in my healing because it's back into life and I mean, yes, if I needed to talk about something or I needed to take time or I needed time by myself, they were certainly there for me and they certainly allowed me that. But at the same time, they, they wanted me to live a happy, full life. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I may have had a reprieve from chores for a little bit, but not that long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so recently, you know, we saw that, you know, a Lifetime movie came out where you were the narrator and producer and... um you could just talk about, you know, what motivated you to relive the events and share them from your, you know, your personal perspective. Sure. Well, I, when I got home, I think I swore up and down that 
I was never going to speak about what happened to me. I was never going to write a book about what happened to me. And I most certainly was never going to um, make a movie or a documentary or anything like that. And um, then I became in advocacy, and I started to realize that I am actually one of the very luckiest of the lucky ones because not only did I survive and I came home, but what happened to me did not happen to me from the hands of a family member or a friend or someone that I knew and loved in my community. Because the sad thing is, the terrible thing is, is that most abuse does come from someone that you know, someone that's either a member of your family or someone within your circle of trust. And and that wasn't me. And I can't imagine how devastating and difficult that would be to go home every night and, and to possibly see your abuser or go to bed at night and know that your rapist is sleeping in the bedroom next door. How terrifying and difficult that would be. How much more difficult would that be to try to heal and move on from when you can never get away from the person that's hurting you and abusing you? So I felt like it was important to and sharing my story. So I guess basically my last question is, you know, where do you see yourself five years from now? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I I will still be a mother. My children will still be my my biggest bosses. <laughs> um. But I, I do think I will continue to be an advocate and I will continue to fight for women and children and survivors and try to help and, and make a difference in every way that I can. That's perfect. We are very excited to have you uh, come out to see our membership and our staff in Cleveland. 